0: Well, if you would, please turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter four, Proverbs chapter four. We'll begin reading in verse 20. My son, give attention to my word words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you watch the path of your feet and all of your ways will be established do not turn to the right or nor to the left turn your foot from evil let's go to the lord in prayer father we thank you for uh, this day thank you lord for the privilege of meeting together as a body of believers we recognize that you're you're the one that we sing to you are the one that we are worshiping today uh, lord I pray that you would be pleased that you would be glorified with our time together, particularly in the when we're in the word, when we are reading and and studying this word. Lord, may may you be glorified, may you um, may we respond in a way that would be pleasing to you, to your word, Lord, we. We thank you for your word and its ministry, ministry to our own hearts, Lord. I pray that it would minister to us today, and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. There's two things I want you to observe just in this passage, just uh, very quickly, uh, just by way of introduction. And you probably noticed it when I was as I was reading through it. There's a lot of number one. There's a lot of references to the body, a lot of references to uh just individual parts of the body look in in verse in verse 20 it talks about the ear 21 the heart the body verse 22 the the mouth in verse 24 the eyes in verse 25 26 is the feet and the foot in verse 27 a lot of references to the the body this is because of uh, th- there's an introspection here that Solomon wants for his son. Solomon is communicating these things to his son, and really to the rest of us. He knows that. But he's wanting some introspection now. And we've, uh, we understand that. We've, uh, we've seen the context here. Because these are issues of the heart, and he wants us to examine the heart. And that's the main focus here, is the heart Another thing that you want to notice in observation of this passage is that there's, there's ten commands here. There are ten verbs that are given to us as imperatives. Here's what you need to do. But in the Hebrew, really you, you can narrow those, these verbs down to just two there's two primary verbs, and all of the rest of them are secondary or they're support verbs. I know that that's a little technical, but the way you need to see this passage is not ten verbs or ten commands that he is giving us, but basically two. It would be compared to maybe two mama bears, and each of those mama bears have baby cubs and those cubs are, are related to that mama bear. And those are the way these verbs are to be interpreted. The first verb is, in verse 21, to keep. To keep. That's the primary verb. Okay? You need to understand that. And in verse 23, the second one is to watch over. And all of the other verbs fit into those two verbs. They support those two verbs. Now, we'll see how that practices out. Or how that, uh, that works out into practice. One thing that we need to, to know, though, is that both of these verbs have to do with loyalty. The keeping and the watching have to do with just long term. This is always keeping and always watching and a continuous action, if you will. Now, we understand. We understand loyalty. It's a virtue. Even among thieves, they say, it's a, it's a virtue among thieves. Thieves are not going to turn each other in. Of course, there's probably self-protection there. But we understand that. We are loyal, loyal to family, loyal to our country. Some of us are, are loyal to uh, colleges or, or high schools that we went to, loyal maybe to our favorite football teams. I used to be loyal to the Pittsburgh Steelers until they started losing, and I'm not so sure how loyal I am anymore. I mean, when you tie the Browns, I'm just, I'm not gonna go into that. Loyalty, But as as believers, we know we are to be loyal to God. There's a commitment level there that just has to be there. We're loyal to God. We're loyal to God's truths, God's wisdom. And there's a danger when we're not. Real danger. When we're not loyal in God's word or God's wisdom, God's advice to us. There's a real danger. But I, I think the danger might be in a little bit different way. When we're loyal to something, we, we tend to take it for granted. We tend to kind of almost tend to, to not hear it anymore. When we're loyal to the word, we, we come in, week in, week out, we come, we read the word, and we hear it all the time, and it becomes so familiar to us that we come to the point that we, we almost don't even hear it anymore. Now that's a real danger when it comes to the word of God. When we one of the commentaries I liked what he said. The believers must have a dogged attention to the familiar truths of Scripture. That's what it is—a dogged attention. We have to overcome our own apathy and be be loyal to it in spite of what we what we think. But I think the danger lies in when we become so familiar to it we just think we know it and we don't get into it. And it needs to be compared to. Eating food. Now, how many of you ate this week? I think we all ate, right? I don't, you don't have to show me your hand. I know you ate sometime this week. Now, because if you didn't, you're, you're gonna become weak. Your life is not gonna be sustained. You're gonna eventually starve to death. And, and that's what happens. We become so familiar with the truth that we don't really drink of the depths of the Word of God. And, and many times we, we starve even when we're amongst the big feast. And I think that's, uh, I think that's the, the danger here. And Solomon is, is, he, he his son is so familiar with the truth and he just keeps having to remind his son to pay attention, to be loyal. And, and we've never, You know, we go to reunions, and I've never come from a, a reunion hungry. Why? Because there's lots of food there. And if I go away hungry, it's my fault. The food's there, it's just I have to partake of that food. Now, we as believers, we need to cultivate. We need to cultivate so that we do not become apathetic, so that we do not become weak and, and in danger of starving amongst all this food, what well, we as believers must cultivate within our hearts a love for God's Word. A love for God's Word. And that's our theme. That's what we've been looking at. Not Not just, it's God's Word, God's truth, God's commandments, God's principles, God's wisdom. That's what we're seeing. Really, we're seeing that throughout the whole chapter 4 that's been his theme is to be be committed to it be loyal to it and the thing is is how do we do that we've seen seven principles so far and uh, there's their question there's the principles now just take a look at those if you uh, were absent you can get these you can get these by uh, uh, you can go to the sermons online or uh, you can ask someone for the notes but they're there seven principles and we're going to look at two more today and they all have to do with being loyal to the word of God and having to do with uh, cultivating a heart of commitment, a heart of love for the word of God. That's essentially what Solomon's wanting for his son. He wants to fan the flame, uh, if you would, for a love for his uh, the heart of his son for the word of God, for the for the wisdom of God. Now, as I said before. This is an introspection. This is a look inward. And he is appealing to his son's loyalty. The stick the faithfulness, the commitment. Now, here's the next principle, number eight. Principle number eight. Is we must diligently nurture our heart... On God's wisdom. Diligently nurture our hearts on God's wisdom. It's not enough just to have the food. We have to eat the food. We have to digest the food. Look at verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Give attention to. That word there is not just pay attention with the intent to hear. Not just hearing. But to work it out. To do what I've said. There's a, a conformity to this word. It's to hear, give attention to, with the understanding of conformity to it. And he says, incline your ear. That is to stretch. The word incline is to, to stretch, to make it longer. Sometimes we cup our ears, we put our hands over our ears so that we can hear a little bit better. We're stretching out our ears, we're, we're kind of maybe leaning into it so that we can hear. And that's what the idea is. Don't miss one word of it. Take it in. Bring it into your life. And he says, do not dismiss it. The words that I say right now are going out to your ears. And sometimes you, are easily, uh, you're, you're easy to dismiss it. Oh, I've heard that before. He said that before. Or be distracted in some way. And so he says, don't, don't do that. Don't let it depart. Don't let it depart from you. Don't just easily dismiss it. You, you hear it, but you need to accept it. Not just reject it when it comes into your ears. And then verse 22, he says, For they are life to those who hear. They are life to those who hear. Now we're commanded to to keep. That's our main verb. Commanded to keep. We're, he says to uh, the, the idea is to watch over it, to preserve it. But again, you have the concept or this idea of conforming to it. It's in keeping with it. Keep doing it. It's not just to hear. It's not just to receive. But it's to do those things. But it's to work it out in your life. You have to practice it. That's the idea of practicing. Notice where it is to be practiced. Where it is to be kept. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's inside. Practicing them on the inside. Working them out on the inside. Now the heart is where... He's talking about the inner man, the whole person there, the emotion, the mind, the will, where it all comes together there. There's the keeping. This wisdom is to be kept in the heart. The heart is the depository for wisdom. That's where the wisdom is settled. It settles in the heart. That becomes then the place where we store up this food, we store up this nourishment for us. So when we are going through life, and we run into a situation, our minds and our hearts, we know these, uh, these principles, we have this wisdom. We come to a situation, we think, oh, I know a principle that can help with this situation. And so we go to our heart, and it serves us well. And he says to keep it there, to keep it working, keep it active in your heart. Now, here's why. In verse 22, Because for they are life. Now, what's the they? The they is the the principles, the wisdom that God has given us. For they are life to those who find them. Now, the word find there is not just to stumble over them, but it's to diligently, it's to find them after diligently seeking after them. And he says, it's life. They, They are life life to those you keep them in the midst of your heart notice the the order of things you keep them first and then they become then life to your they become life to you they who they who find them it becomes life to them and and health even to their body now the principle here is is the same principle that we would use as far as having a plate of food in front of us and and not doing anything about it. If we have a big plate of food in front of us and and we're really, really hungry, we're going to eat that plate of food. That's the idea here. We take that food and digest it. We get it into our hearts, into our minds, through the ear gate, um, and we digest it. We let that sink in. We let it sink in. Now, That's not just a one-time occurrence. That's a constant thing, isn't it? We're always, we should always be taking in the Word, listening to the Word, uh, leaning forward, and and so that we can grab it and and take it in. And again, this is a a level of commitment. This is a level of commitment to God and to God's Word. Again, that's the point. Being committed to it With the tenaciousness to continue to bring it into our lives so that it feeds us, so that we grow from it. Now, that was really one of the points, the major point in the book of Deuteronomy. Is that Moses knew that soon as he passed away, the children of Israel were going to jettison the word of God. And they were going to do their own thing. And so Moses in the whole book of Deuteronomy is pushing, keep doing them, loyalty, commitment to God. That was the point. We see that principle, that same principle in the New Testament. I want you to turn to a few of these passages here. Look over to Matthew chapter 10. There's a tenacity that we have to have. In the Christian life. Matthew chapter 10 shows us. Christ tells us about this commitment level that we have to have. And and we cannot function, folks, unless we are loyal. Unless we are committed. And again, this is Solomon is pushing us. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. um, Jesus says this. We won't have to read the the whole passage. This is really just the first few words. He said, He who loves me, or loves Father... He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's commitment. I want you loving me more than you love your mom and dad. That's commitment, folks. That's the Christian life. That's what Christ said. Look at another one, just a few pages over Matthew chapter 16. Jesus again speaking, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. The disciples were coming to him. And he, Jesus says, then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, uh, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life must lose it. Wow. You must even deny your own self. You must give over yourself, forget about yourself, deny yourself, and, and you need to follow him. You need to follow him. That's the level of commitment that Solomon is talking about in the the book of Proverbs. Solomon knows that it is the commitment to the Word of God. It is the working out of the Word of God. Not just a a verbal agreeing to it, not just a hearing it once, but there's a faithful commitment to it. Like a following of Christ, being a disciple of Christ, a learner of Christ, is a constant thing. Let me show you one more. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. This is scary when you look around Christians today. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. Jesus said to them, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. You, you put your hand to the plow, you're ready to, to plow that row and you, and you take your hands off, you look back, you, I I don't think I'm going to do that. And he says, if you do that, if that is your level of commitment, then you're not even fit for the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty strong, folks. That's pretty strong. And Jesus expects that kind of commitment out of his disciples. Now, here's the key. The key to this is, is loyalty. But it's loyalty here to God's word. Just being faithful to, to take in the word of God. You've got to take it in. It has to become part of you. We can have food on the plate, but that food has to be taken in. Can you imagine starving to death or being out in the desert for a week and you're just so hungry, haven't had anything to eat, and you finally have all of this food, you stumble upon this feast, and then you just look at it. You just maybe take pictures of it. Maybe take a, a selfie with all the food, but you, you've got to eat it, right? You understand it. It has to become part of you. It has to. Uh, it has to be converted into muscle. It has to be taken into the stomach, digested, and that's exactly what the Word of God has to do. Exactly what the Word of God has to do. There has to be this, uh, it, it becomes for us a discernment of accepting what is good and, and rejecting what is evil. And the Word of God develops that in us. It, it, uh, it, it develops this strength, this conviction, this tenacity. And it transfers us into righteous people or transforms us into righteous people. The Word of God has that ability. But let me tell you, it's not some mystical work. It's not just, well, I read the Bible and, and I just go on my way. No, there has to be a studying. There has to be a, an intention, a determination. There has to be a, a desire there for the Word of God. Okay? Now, you, you're with me so far. I, I think there's... in the, 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 So, the Christian life... Has to be, there's an action to the Christian life. It has to be taking in the word, actively producing fruit in our life or muscle in our body, spiritual bodies. But here's a hindrance. Let me show you. I'm going to give you two hindrances. The first hindrance, and this is going to sound a little strange, but this whole idea of once saved, always saved. Folks, that is a dangerous doctrine. It's a dangerous teaching. Once saved, always saved. You say, well, I believe that. Well, I believe that too. In a certain sense. But in a certain way, it's a danger. The the, the once saved, always saved concept is not really a biblical concept. I believe in eternal security. But the Bible teaches a perseverance of the saints. There's a perseverance that has to be there. Saints, they persevere. Now, you say, well, what's the difference here? Well, it's like a, a baby. Babies have to eat, right? If they don't eat, they're going to die. There's not going to be life there. If there's no appetite for food, if, if, there's, no, um, uh, if there's no eating, if a baby doesn't eat, then we say there's something wrong. There's, uh, you know, something's not right about this baby. In the same way, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, verse 2, uh, Peter says that we are to be like babies and we are to long for the milk of the Word. We, we are, there's a, an appetite there. If there's no appetite, you have to ask the question, is the baby even alive? Is the baby sick? What's going on? If there's no appetite for the, the Word. But when you see a, a strong, healthy baby, that baby cries out for, for milk. There's a dogged determination. There's a a toughness. There's a conviction there that fixes and establishes the believer's life in faith. And there's a faith that that just doesn't die. It just keeps on going. There's a perseverance to the saints. That's, That's the determination. That's the faithfulness. That's the loyalty. And it's all rooted in the Word of God. How do we treat the Word of God? Do we just listen to it? Do we, or do we take it in and let it let it nourish us? us and let it uh, work on our our lives, or do we just we want we want to interact with it in some emotional way? Oh, it touches my heart, and, and we just interact it with it in uh, in some superficial way that that really doesn't change our heart or change the way we think or. No, it has to it has to change us. There has to be a, a drive there to bring in the Word of God, and I believe that it's it's hindered by this idea of well, I'm already a Christian. What else do I need to do? Or I'm already saved. Once saved, always saved. And I think no, folks, that is not the biblical understanding of perseverance of the saints. Saints, they want there's a desire there for the Word of God. I think another thing that that hinders this is that um, we cannot say, and I think people do this, I think they say they love God, but they don't really love God's Word. And you can't separate the two. In Scripture, if you don't love uh, God's Word, you don't love God. Jesus said, if you don't keep my commandments, he said, or he said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's the He put it in the positive there. But you can't separate the two. You can't say, I love God and not love His Word. It just can't be done. Now, I know in this religious climate that we have today, in the 21st century, oh, everybody loves God. But what do they do with His Word? That's the real test. That's the real test. And... So we have a lot of people that, you know, desire religious experiences. They desire religious entertainment. They desire social interaction in the church. They want this emotional appeal. They want their children to be enriched by the church and and teach them good morals. But Paul would just say, look, you're just getting, you're just wanting your ears tickled. That's all you're wanting. You're not wanting anything deeper than that. There has to be an interest in the Word of God. There has to be growth. There has to be life. And if there's not, there's a danger there. There's this superficial profession. Oh, I love God. But, but a love for God is going to translate into loyalty to God's Word. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. So we have to be diligent to nurture our hearts with God's wisdom. That's the principle. Diligent to nurture our hearts with God's wisdom. Number nine. And this is in verse 23, but here's the principle. We must protect our hearts with God's wisdom. Now you have the other, the other verb is to watch over, verse 23. But it's very similar to the previous one. Very similar concepts here, but he takes a little bit different twist. He says we must protect, or the principle is we must protect our hearts with God's wisdom. Look at verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it, that is your heart, flows the springs of life. Now, let's just stop right there. The springs of life, that's intriguing. That's the source of life. This is the place where everything starts. We might call it the headwaters. Now, I know that the, the new river uh, is this huge river. And we see it here. But they say somewhere in North Carolina is where it starts. And that's the, the headwaters of the, the new river. And it, and it probably starts very small, very slow. And, and maybe it's just this little creek. And then it turns into or, or flows into this, uh, this stream a little bit bigger. And then into a, a, a little bit bigger river. And then into the, and into the new. You see the headwaters there. That's the concept here. This is a, a spring of life. The heart is where the, the life starts. Now, it's kind of a neutral uh, statement here, but the command is we are to watch over that heart. We're to maintain some safety uh, from injury, from harm, from danger. You say, what danger and harm do we have uh, concerning our hearts? The danger here is falsehood. False ideas, Satan's lies, worldly philosophies. And we mix that, we take that in, and we mix that with the Word of God, and we come up with something that's not biblical. That's the danger. And and the, the breeding ground for that is the heart. And he says we're to watch over that heart. And he says we're to do it with all diligence. The word there is just this idea of, of confinement. It's like a prison wall. We're to put a prison wall around our heart to protect our heart. That's the idea. Because, now here's the here's the deal, and this is the picture that's being painted here. It's because that, that heart needs to be influenced by the Word of God alone. Not all this other stuff. And we protect it from all the other stuff and allow the Word of God to be nurtured in the heart and let it do the influence of all the rest of our life. That's the idea. Wisdom is the depository for, the heart is the depository for wisdom. This is where the wisdom resides in our own heart. And it's to be worked out in our hearts. Now, I want you to see this picture. And this picture is best seen in Second Timothy chapter 3. It's a verse you already know. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. So the, we take in the word of God. But it doesn't just sit there. It has to work. And so it produces within us, it's good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the purpose of taking the Word of God in is to, it should be translated into righteousness into our life. That's the idea. That's the picture. That's the picture even that Solomon wants here. It is to be worked out. The Word of God is to be worked out into our lives. So it's a depository, but, but it has to work. And that working place, that place where it works is the heart, is the real person. You say, why is that? There's a couple of reasons. Uh, turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. There's a couple of verses here that are important. Luke chapter 6, he says this, this is, uh, again, uh, Christ, he says, the good man, out of the good treasures of his, what? His heart. He he brings forth what is good. You deposit the wisdom there, and when the circumstances call for it, the good man, he brings out of that, the treasure is on his heart, uh, what is good. And that, that treasure, that word of God has produced in this man a certain character. And it's a good character. It's a good character. The word of God works in the heart. And from that heart, out of that heart, he can pull good things. But the evil man, the guy who does not, has not taken in the word of God, he doesn't have any good to pull from. The evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth what is evil. For the mouth speaks, and that's, the, that's the, where he's going with this. The mouth speaks is what is from within the heart. That's where it comes from. That's the place that needs to be protected. That's the place that needs to be watched over. and We're to watch over it with all diligence, because if we take in the Word of God, then it should spring forth this well that is good water. That is good water. So you see the last part of verse 23 back in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, for from it flows the springs of life. Now, that's the idea. The springs of life. And I believe that this is uh, one of the passages that Jesus is referring to when he's talking to the woman at the well. And he says this. And this is, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. He says in verse 14, uh, But whoever drinks in the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that, that I shall give him... Will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Listen when the Lord begins to work in our heart, begins to change our our life, we have a new capacity, a new capacity and it's, and it 's primarily because of the Word of God has worked in our hearts and it 's been diligent to to work its way out in our life. we have a new capacity, and that new capacity influences. The rest of our life. It influences every part of our life. Look at verse 24. Back in Proverbs 4. Verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. And put devious speech far from you. Now how can you do that? Because you have a new capacity now. Because you've taken in this wisdom into your heart. You've protected it from outside influences. And now what comes out is this new capacity or this new tool to be able to spot lies and deceit. And we have that capability. No deceit then comes out of my mouth. You were to guard that heart because it's a pure heart. The word of God is working in that heart. The word of God is, is where things are coming out. And, and so we put devious speech far from it. We have a new capacity to do that, new tool. Verse 25. He says, uh, let your eyes look directly ahead. The wisdom that we put into our heart, the heart is influenced every part of our life. It even influences what we desire, what we gravitate to. That's the next one. What we gravitate to. Our heart influences that. He says, you look straight ahead. You mean, you, you can focus now. You look straight ahead. You, you, you let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. You have this new capacity to do that. You're, you're not distracted. And again, that's a function of the heart. That battle is won and lost in the heart. In verse 26, he says, watch over the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. This is new routine, new daily routines of life. Your heart even influences the daily routines, the, the monotonous things that we do on a daily basis are going to be righteous. The heart influences that. And we can govern now our lives by this righteous heart, by this good heart that is producing, that is produced by the Word of God. And then even the direction of our life. It says, do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. It ultimately influences the full direction of our life. And we have the capacity, folks, to stay on the right trail, this path of righteousness, because the Word of God is influencing our life. That's the picture. I think you get that. Today we have, we are bombarded, folks, with information. There's so many things, there's so much that influence our our life. We have, of course, movies and internet and, and music and news. All of these things just bombard us. And before, we were told to isolate ourselves from the world. Don't listen to the world. Don't be involved in the world. Just isolate yourself from the world. But that's not, that's not really a biblical concept. We're to be in the world, and it is our heart that isolates us from the world. But it can only do that when we are when we bathe it, if you will, in the Word of God. When you saturate it with the Word of God. It has a has been changed by Christ, and it has a new capacity to govern us, and we can be in the most wicked of places and still be pure, still have pure hearts. That's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought to me. So it's easy for us to just say, stay away from the world. Never go to movies, never listen to songs, never go to the world's entertainment at all. But that's not really the biblical idea. The biblical idea is not just avoid everything, stay away from everything. The idea is, because it would make it easier, it just makes it easier when you just avoid everything. The hard part is, the hard part is, is being functional with the word of God. And allowing the Word of God to work on every little element of our life. Everything that comes into our life, we stop and we allow the Word of God. Is there anything within in my thinking that has been informed by the Word of God that I should not allow that thought to come into my heart? And that's the idea. We don't allow things to come into our heart. Now, frankly, it's just easier for kids, for us to say to kids, don't go away, don't go around the world, don't do don't do do not this, don't do that. It's just easier to do that. But what we have to do, what we need to do with ourselves and with our children is to teach them to think through life with the Word. Now, that's hard. But that's our life. As a parent, that's your life. As a Christian, that is your life. You're taking everything that you feel, that you hear, the news, the entertainment, everything that you hear, and you put up this grid. It's called the Word of God. And you don't let any thought, no thought is going to influence my heart. No thought that's going to get through there unless it first comes through the the checkpoint of the Word of God. That's what Solomon's saying. Now... This is where the real energy of life is, folks. It is. It's where the real energy of life. And we're, we're going to stop at this. He says this is the wellspring of life. When you bring the Word of God and the heart together, there's going to be something to happen. It's going to either reject, the heart is going to just reject it, or, or the Word of God is going to melt that heart, It's going to work on that heart, and it's going to produce a, a new heart. There's going to be dis, new discernment there. And let me tell you then, that sparks life. That's where life comes from. Life is bred right there. It's in the heart. When the Word of God and the heart come together, and there's energy. Now, if there's a weakness in your life spiritually, we become anemic, we become weak and, and sickly, you have to wonder, is the Word of God meeting the heart? It's like the spark plug. Spark plug to a car. It's where the gas, where everything kind of meets and that spark, that spark has to be there. And that's where life is energized. That's where life is, is given. And you know what? The church has to do the same thing. And it's over the Word of God. It's always over the Word of God. If we're going to have energy in our church, it's going to come when the Word of God meets the heart. And either there's going to be rejection of that, or there's going to be melting and repenting. But there's going to be something. There's going to be a spark there. The Word of God always does that. And that's what Solomon is praying for his son. He knows that the heart is to be protected. That is the battleground. That's where everything is won and lost. It's right there in the heart. And the heart influences everything of life. We must protect it. We must protect it. The only way we can protect it is by the word of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for just the thoughts today and just as I've just meandered through this passage, really. It's so deep, Lord. There's so much to this. So much more that needs to be said. May we grab what we can and and apply it to our lives. And Lord, may, may it... Nourish us. Genuinely nourish us. Turn into, convert into muscle. Spiritual muscle. So that we have strong faith to be able to function and do for you, for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.